Hey, this is John Ortberg, and we're talking these days about radical acceptance. We're in the Advent season. We're looking forward to Christmas and all that we celebrate then, and learning how it is that the incarnation of Jesus makes it possible for me to be able to accept, to live in a spirit of surrender. I can't, but God can, to be open to all of life, to what is good, but also what is painful, to not have to go around judging or rejecting other people, to be able to accept them just as God has accepted me, to be able to accept God's love in my own life. I don't have to reject myself. I don't have to resist negative feelings. I can recognize God in them. I don't have to resist my circumstances. And in particular today, I want to talk about accepting suffering in our lives. Now, of course, uh, the idea of accepting suffering doesn't mean that anything that comes bad into my life, I just have to passively accept. If you can stop suffering, and there's no good reason not to, then by all means do it. My friend Kevin, hey Kevin, just went through rotator cuff surgery, and uh, he's suffering a little bit. He's got pain medication to help with that, but he's like the bionic man now. He's increasingly artificial. And so, by all means, if you can do that, do that. But there's lots of suffering that we cannot change. And the incarnation of Jesus, his entering into human life and even human suffering, enables us to offer our suffering to him. So now this is a wonderful Christmas verse. Paul writing to young Timothy, 2 Timothy, the second chapter. And Paul says, accept suffering then, or join with me in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, you may have never thought about that as a Christmas verse, but it actually is. We experience suffering not as people that have no purpose, not as people that have no hope, but the way that a soldier does. A soldier recognizes, I am part of a cause that is much greater than myself. And whatever suffering that I endure can go into that. Now, there's a long backstory around this. This season of Advent is a time Fleming Rutledge writes about this in a wonderful little book called Advent. This season is a time when we don't just look back. Often in Advent, we think about Christmases that we really liked a lot when we were growing up. We get kind of nostalgic. Or we think about when Jesus came the first time in Bethlehem. But Fleming writes, the primary direction of the Advent season throughout most of the history of the church has not been looking back. It's actually looking forward to when he is coming again. And it is the hope that comes from looking at when he is going to return that enables me to receive his coming right now in this moment and to offer my suffering to him. Eugene Peterson gives another but similar metaphor. He's got a wonderful book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He takes that title from a phrase in the writings of Friedrich Nietzsche, who was not a believer. We'll come back to Nietzsche. But at the beginning of the book, Peterson says that you can either go through life as a tourist or as a pilgrim. And if you're a tourist, you think life is just about a collection of great experiences. Entertain me, wow me, impress me, let me get some good souvenirs. Let me go on Instagram and show you what a wonderful life I am leading, what great experiences I am collecting, what fabulous appetites I'm satisfying. But a pilgrim, kind of like a soldier, is on our way to something. And that something is not just a geographical destination. It is life in God's presence and God's power and God's favor when I become a person that I am not yet. 
And the way for all of this was cleared by suffering. Our understanding of time could not have happened the way that it has without suffering, without something that was unexpected and catastrophic. In Israel, for many, many centuries, God made sense. And the way that history was unfolded, unfolding made sense and seemed to be leading someplace. A lot the way that often it does in our life. I go to school, I graduate, maybe I get married, maybe I get a job so that I can experience a really good life. Well, for Israel, what that looked like was this. Uh, their story began in slavery in Egypt, but then God acted and they were freed and there was the Exodus. And then they were led to Mount Sinai and they got Torah, they got the Ten Commandments. And then they went to the Promised Land, they crossed the Jordan, and then there were a series of judges like Gideon and Samson, and then they got kings, King David above all. And, and then all of this life made sense, and they were on their way to being a great nation, maybe the greatest nation. And then there was kind of a hiccup, and the kingdom was divided in the north and south. And then, and then, and then came the absolute disruptor, and that was the exile. And they lost everything. They lost the promised land. They lost the monarchy. They were ground under the heel of these powerful oppressors in Babylon. And what they did not know, what no one could have guessed was, God was going to use the exile, the death of one dream, to give birth to a much greater but very surprising dream that he would begin another kind of kingdom, and it wouldn't be an earthly kingdom. So that idea that Israel had, we can be like other nations, only greater, more powerful militarily, uh, greater economic wealth, uh, they would have to die to that. So that one day, the earth could be invaded by a little child named Jesus, and the government would be upon his shoulders, but it would not be a earthly government. And this is why uh, politics is forever extremely limited in our day, because our world needs to be fixed from the outside. And so in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 65, 17, God says, Behold, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. See, they would not have known the need for that if it were not for the exile. God says, I will create a new Jerusalem, fixing up Jerusalem, fixing up America, fixing up California, fixing up wherever you are, is not an earthly project. It can only be done by God. And he has begun that little invasion through the person of Jesus. And Jesus came in suffering love to take on our sufferings. And what that means is, whatever exile I am experiencing right now, I can accept. Yep, change it if I can. If there's repairs, make them. If there's a relationship that I can help restore, restore it. But sometimes I can't. Sometimes there is a relationship that I cannot fix. Sometimes there is a failure that I cannot retrieve that I cannot set right. And then I come as a pilgrim. And then I trust. I don't have to try to make my suffering look less than it is. I don't have to indulge in self-pity and have the spirit of a martyr. 
I give a long obedience in the same direction. I continue on like a soldier, like a pilgrim. And the New York Times is so interesting. On the same page, there were a couple of articles, a couple of opinion articles. Both of them spoke of Christianity and the future. One of them in a very wrong-headed way. I won't go into the detail of it, but it was a, a person who was saying, uh, we know what foreign policy is because we have magic insight into the future and who God's going to back. And as long as we back who God's going to back, we can forget about justice and fairness and, and just back the winner that we know about magically. That is not God's intent for our hope for the future. Other article was written by Esau McCauley, who is an African-American professor of New Testament at Wheaton College, my old alma mater, wrote a book called Reading While Black, African-American Biblical Interpretation as an Exercise in Hope. And he writes about, while he is seeking to provide a really good childhood for his children, one of the things that he's recognizing is, he says, I cannot help believing that my children have lost something, the determination born of suffering. I wish I could give them that feeling. He writes about how when he grew up in poverty without a dad, that suffering was the context from which my mother taught me about the value of education. It formed the background of my pastor's sermons in black churches of my youth. It's in the New York Times. The only God I have ever known was one who cared about my black body and my black soul. That suffering was a unifying factor in all my deepest friendships. This is a long obedience in the same direction. Peterson writes about how he read that phrase in Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche, of course, was not a believer in God. He was an atheist, and he believed in the will to power, that if you just uh, majestically choose what you want to do with your life and then stick to it, merely a long obedience in the same direction will make your worth, life worthwhile. And Peterson says, no, it's in the direction of Jesus, the one who came to give his life and suffer for us. Interestingly enough, that book itself was rejected by 17 publishers before somebody accepted it. Eugene himself was a model of a long obedience in the same direction. So that's the invitation of Advent today. I want to invite you to think about an area where you are experiencing exile. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's regret for something wrong that you have done. Maybe it's one of those three o'clock in the morning demons Sam talks about that just kind of gnaws at you. Whatever it is, it has been taken into the person of Jesus, God incarnate, who has invaded our world, who in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago established a little beachhead. And, and the battle is his. Dostoevsky said the God and the devil are engaged in a great war and the battlefield is in the human soul. And so we accept our suffering and we offer it to God. He will redeem it. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. He will see to it. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, we're so glad you're here. More than a video to watch, we hope this is a community you can engage with. So add your voice to the comments. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, or join our Facebook group, becomenew.me.
we'll be posting daily questions and resources for you to engage with. And if you want real-time text alerts, you can text the word become to the number 56525. So take a step, get connected, and we'll see you next time.